Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Emirates UK. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike, and welcome back to the Anywhere's UK podcast, All Things Revolution from a UK Perspective. We're back for episode two, but first, before we get into today's episode, I just want to say thank you once again to the sponsors of the podcast for this year, which is the MLS UK show. I mentioned in the last podcast uh, that they will be sponsoring throughout this uh, year for the show. So massive thank you for putting their uh, faith in me over there. If you do want to go and follow their stuff out, it's at MLS UK show and it's MLS uk.show is their website where you'll find all of their podcasts and uh, they're back for season three as i said before they do cover all things mls so they don't just focus in on one particular area they kind of mentioned about all of the breaking news transfers all of the kind of news in and around the mls uh, from a uk perspective you know which is quite surprising as they're based in uh, the uk as well so make sure you go and show Elliot and Henry some love and say thank you from myself because obviously, you know, they've put a lot of faith into me by sponsoring and putting their name associated with this lovely rambling podcast. But in today's episode, we've not really got a lot of revolution news to talk about, if I'm perfectly honest. So I mentioned in the last episode that there wasn't really much news coming out of the camp. We'll probably use this episode as a little bit of a filler one where I kind of touched on the super draft last time. I'll, I'll kind of maybe dive a little bit deeper into my opinions on that. And then I'm going to talk about the American League system and the US men's national team, all non-controversial stuff. I'm sure no one will have a difference of opinion than what I say, and this will be controversial at all. But uh, that's the good thing about opinions, and everyone's got one. And, you know, I'm not saying so, you know, if I, anyone does get annoyed or triggered by anything I do say in today's episode, this is just purely my opinion. I'm not saying these things should happen or, you know, need to happen by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not an expert. But it's just kind of, you know, what I think possibly could be better for the, for the league and maybe for the men's national team. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. So, the New England Revolution, what news have we had come out of the camp? Not a lot, to be fair. This is going to be pretty short. Um, I suppose, really, the first thing that of note, really, that you can say... I'm probably going to miss some things here as well, but I've, I've jotted a few things down. Obviously, Matt Turner at the moment is out with the uh, US men's national team, which is obviously great to see all his hard work over, uh, especially last season and, and the start of the season before. It's kind of, you know, put him in good stead now and he's he's finally getting the recognition of what I think he deserves as well. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Matt Turner. And he's also um, listed in the top 10 by the MLS over on Twitter as well um, of the uh, top 10 American players that are currently playing in at the MLS. Uh, Josie Altador came first, uh, Jordan Morris second, Aaron Long, and then a prat from uh, Minnesota. Uh, you got obviously Miles Robertson in there as well, uh, Zimmerman, people like that. Uh, but Matt, Matt Turner coming in at 10, which I was really, really pleased to see uh, him get on there. Obviously, I think, he, again, it's rightfully earned from him. He's putting a lot of graft and a lot of um, hard work for to get to where he is, really. And I kind of, while we're on the subject of Matt Turner, actually, I have wrote something down that I wasn't too sure I was going to talk about and stuff, but because it's, it's it's in the past now, but I'm I'm still a bit unsure of what what happened with the whole Matt Turner saga thing. So obviously, when Brad Friedel was in charge of the Revolution, he gave each goalkeeper ample chance to prove in the uh, preseason to decide who's going to be his first choice goalkeeper going. In. Um, obviously, he flitted around a little bit, and then he kind of stuck on Matt Turner for for a, you know a good chunk 
uh, a period throughout the season. And really, for me, Matt never really did anything wrong. His name was getting branded in and around the kind of men's national team at that point. People, non-revolution fans, were stating, you know, maybe it's it's worth calling up Matt Turner. Not, there wasn't hundreds of them or anything like that, but, you know, there was a few people out there that weren't revolution fans that were saying that maybe Matt Turner deserves a call-up. And then I'm not really too sure what happened because going into the, the 2019 season, Matt Turner wasn't first-choice goalkeeper anymore. Um, he wasn't even on the bench. He was the third-choice goalkeeper, so he dropped from being first-team goalkeeper for the Revolution to third-choice goalkeeper. Um, you know, he was on the cusp of being a, a potentially a men's, uh, US men's national team player. And then something's happened. I but I don't. It can't just have gone from you are first choice to your third. I could understand maybe we had a really really poor preseason or training or whatever. For him to drop to maybe on the bench, but how do you go from first, you know, first team player in your squad, potential men's national team call up to third choice within a you know an off season? So I still don't, I still can't get my head around that one, and I'm not too sure if there's any underlying things that we didn't know about between him and Brad or him and somebody at the club. But I'm not sure because obviously Matt Turner always comes across as a really really nice, likable guy who, you know, tells it as it is, but he's he's very considerate about what he says and does um, and you know he's a really really nice bloke so but I don't, I don't know I just kind of thought I'd get that out there because I think I have mentioned it before but I just think it's really really weird but I'm really really happen, uh, happy that obviously Matt's hard work has paid off and he has now got um, a shot to obviously play for the US men's national team obviously which we will be talking about uh, obviously we did have the uh, round three and four of the draft the revolution didn't have any picks in these because we traded them away uh, I, don't, I can't even remember what we got for them to be fair but we, we didn't have any picks in those ones so and to be fair they're them kind of rounds they're not really the interesting stuff it is really the first round and potentially the second round sometimes where you get your the, the big players um and uh what else have we got for the Revolution news? So, oh, we've got a new uh, PA announcer as well. Um, somebody, to be fair, who I've not heard of before. It's uh, Mike Riley, who's uh, known as Sarge. I believe he works on uh, 985, the Sports Hub. I think that's what it's called. Um, so I believe he's a radio presenter. But uh, yeah, I'm do, I do apologise, Mike. He's not going to listen to this, is he? Um, but yeah, not really heard of his work before, but obviously really pleased. Listen to the little kind of clip he had uh, posted out by the Revolution. Seems he's really, really passionate and behind uh, where, where the Revolution's going. And yeah, it'd be... Although, to be fair, I did tweet out saying obviously looking forward to seeing his work, but I don't think I'm ever going to get to see his work, am I? Because he's going to be announcing at the games where I won't be. And when I watch them on the place where I watch them, because we don't have it over here in the UK still, uh, very many games, then it's got no commentary at all. So I just kind of commentate myself, which I always thought like maybe I should do some commentary over a Revs game because I sit there and literally watch it just and I can hear the crowd and that's it. Um, so I literally sometimes do sit there and commentate to myself, which is very sad, I know. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, so, yeah, maybe one day I'll get to go out and see a Revs game. But, um, yeah, it's not going to be for the uh, foreseeable future. But obviously glad to have him on board. As I say, he seems like he's really into the brand and that he's fully uh, behind us. So he seems like a big Boston sports fan. So, uh, yeah, welcome aboard, Mike. And um, let's hope we can do something good this season to get you really pumped up when you're uh, announcing. Other news that's come out of the Revolution has said it's been pretty limited, uh, to be fair. Um, we have added four new players to our roster for the uh, any revs 
uh, two team as well. So the Revolution two team have now, I think, got eight actual players. But um, and I've, I've I've read that we're looking to kind of get between twelve and sixteen players on the actual roster itself, and then we'll be utilising the academies below as well as bringing in some of them first team players that are looking for game time as well. Now, obviously, my understanding behind uh, the Revolution Two is that we can uh, swap and in, in between the two teams almost as freely as we want, as long as there is actually a roster spot available for that player on the club. So say, for example, if we had an international player in the Revolution 2 team and we didn't have an international spot available, although we might have a spot on the roster, so we mainly have 27 players out of the 30 that were allowed. Um, but if we've got no international slots left, we would not be allowed to transfer that player and vice versa. So that's kind of good if that's kind of my understanding is, is, is right. And I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, four new players. We've got uh, Ryu, Ryan Spalding, Orlando Sinclair, and Lucas uh, Felix as well. Ryu, I'm sorry, um, Shimatsky. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, so that's why I didn't even try it. But then I just tried it and failed anyway. So obviously, welcome to the club. Hope you're all settling really well. well. I think you're joining a club on the up. And obviously, we're really, really pleased to have you on board. I do believe that the um, Lucas uh, Felix one... He's just a season-long loan because I believe he's um, playing for a club in Colombia. Well, I don't know. I'm making that up. I probably should have wrote that down, shouldn't I? That's how a professional podcast would have worked. But we don't do things like that over here. We just ramble for uh, for about half an hour. But uh, yeah, I think he's on loan. So from what I can gather, what from just very minimal information I've got, is that we're putting him in the Revolution Two team with the hope that we get some. Because uh, I'm presuming he'd taken his international spot. I'm presuming, um, with the fact that I think some green cards are potentially close to being given out. I think Mancian's one of them, uh, Luis Casado, um, who else is on there? Zahibo, I think, is on there as well. I think we've got a few players who are quite close to uh, potentially getting their green cards now. So if they do, then obviously we get him. Maybe he's Revolution 2 level, but we've got the option to obviously then bring him into the, the Revolution team, first team as well. But yeah, really starting to take shape now, the Revolution 2 uh, club is and uh, as I mentioned before I think they said 12 to 16 players and then utilising the academies and the first team kind of as we are talking about the revolution as we've not really got much else to talk about I'll talk about I think I touched on it in the last episode about the cup run well, I'm not too sure I did write it down but I don't know if I got to or not and I can't remember now but I'm going to talk about it again anyway if I didn't if I did then I apologise if I didn't then obviously you're hearing this for the first time so throughout the season, obviously, we're going to have the uh, Lamar Cup, and I'm really hoping that the Revolution do go for it this season. Uh, I think with the um, fact now we're going to have a bigger roster, the fact we've got players in the Revolution 2 team who could help us, then I think this is going to be big. We haven't got to worry too much about um, you know player fatigue as such throughout the season, because we're going to have a, a hopefully an ample amount of, of players to choose from now. But the way I'd actually like the Revolution to utilize the cup this season as i know that we've obviously always used it to try and give people minutes who aren't getting minutes which i agree with in sense you know uh, the, the whole theory behind it is is what i like to see players that are possibly on the fringe you are knocking on the front door at the moment it's getting that first team that just need that push and then, then it's going to hopefully cause the manager a headache for the next game if you put a player in they play really well and then the manager's got something to think about going into the next game but this is kind of how I see it, that you don't want to kind of, you know, if we're on a really, really good run of form, you kind of don't really want to break up the team as much because sometimes they make, you know, between six to eight changes, which I think is a bit too many sometimes. Um, if you've got a team that's clicking together and working well, the way I see it is, is 
this is an opportunity for the backup goalkeeper. I think the Cup should always use the backup goalkeeper. I think it's a great uh, time for them to get first team uh, minutes as well. So I think the goalkeeper should, should be changed. And then what you should do, you should, should switch out three players. You have three substitutes, switch out three players and then put them players on the bench. So, for example, if, you know, we've got uh, a midfield pairing of Luis Casado and Callum Rowe, for example, that's our midfield partnership that we've got at the start of the season. They're playing well. Um, you might want to take one of them out. Don't take both, though, because that, that makes no sense at all. Maybe take one of them out and put a different player in. But then put, like, for example, if you take Callum Rowe out and put Ankin in, put Rowe on the bench. So if, for whatever reason, Ankin's really struggling to kind of keep up the pace of the game or whatever, then we've got Callum Rowe on the bench. He can slot back into that position. Him and Casado have been playing well. It'll just fall into its natural kind of uh, hopeful game management and will kind of pick up where you kind of you know where they've left off throughout the other good form throughout the season. It just makes a little bit of sense that if you if you if you got three substitutes to use, you take out three players and you put in three replacement players who you think either need game time or that are on the cusp of you know really impressing them during training. And uh, you're kind of thinking you know this is our opportunity now to to take this on and hopefully give me a headache for the um, the the next league game. Um, but that's pretty much it for, for the revolution, really. I kind of just want to give my talk about the Cup because I think we should should really try. But I do think we should try and go you know, as, as strong as we could do. I think basically the goalkeeper should be one player that's um, rotate, uh, rotated anyway, but not part of three. And then you just choose three players, potentially one of the left or right backs. Um, you then go maybe one of the centre midfielders and then one of the attackers as well. Uh, maybe the, you know, he, Carlos Hill has a game off or maybe whoever's playing up front has a game off or he makes the bench but it just makes a little bit of sense to keep players fresh and uh, I don't know I could be wrong but again it's just my opinion talking about opinions now we're going to be talking about the the, um, American league system first of all now I'm going to start by prefacing this by saying my understanding of the league system is okay but I'm not going to go into too much depth because I don't think my understanding is is up there and um i probably should have done more research coming into this week but again that's not how i do things i'm not a proper journalist am i i'm just a guy sitting in his living room recording himself talk into a microphone for your entertainment um and talking of this guys if you have got this far in the podcast thank you very much i have got a patreon going on uh, all this content will be free by the way guys i'll never charge anyone to listen to anything you don't get anything extra at the moment for joining as a patron. It's just a way of putting money back into the podcast to help me with uh, hosting fees and all that kind of stuff. Uh, all the stuff will basically, all the money from there will just go directly back into helping with hosting fees and maybe upgrade into myself to a nice new microphone uh, or a nice new setup. So I'm not recording as I'm recording at the moment, which is a microphone plugged into my tablet. That's all I use and uh, the app that's pre-installed onto my tablet. I just record my voice with and then I you do some editing in an app and upload it to uh, SoundCloud and Podbean because they're the only two that I can figure out how to do it at the moment. Um, but yeah, hopefully once the Patreon uh, money kind of kicks in, then I'll be able to kind of put out a hosting site and they'll be able to do a lot of the hard work for me, posting out to different uh, podcasts uh, channels because I just don't know how you really do it. And I've read up on it and I think I kind of get it because I think I'm on Google now, but I don't know how, I really can't figure out how to get an Apple. So I do apologise to anyone who's got an Apple um, a podcast account thing because I just don't understand how to do it. And I am really, really struggling. Uh, but hopefully we'll get there in the end. 
and I won't be too many episodes in. But yeah, the, the, the Patreon, as I said at the moment, you don't get anything for it. It's just a thank you. Uh, and if you are enjoying the content, it's uh, $4 a month for tiers. That's the only tier I've got at the moment. But what I might start doing eventually is I might start doing it where you get the podcast a day early if you are a Patreon. Uh, but I'm not really too sure about that at the moment. Um, I don't really want to offer anything uh, too exclusive. Um, it's nothing to do with the actual podcast episode itself, I suppose. A day early doesn't seem too bad. But I don't want to kind of give... Um, you know, I want this always to be free because I'm literally just doing it for, you know, because I want to do it. I like talking and I like talking about the revolution. And uh, I kind of want to give back to the fan base because you guys have been so welcoming and very supportive from me off really. And I've made so many people who I'd like to consider a friend from this as well. So um, I've now up to three patrons as well, which is absolutely insane. I got up to two patrons without even putting out an episode. Um, so that was ridiculous. And then I actually got my third one. Uh, um, I think just after I put out the first episode, I actually managed to get my third Patreon, which was insane. So obviously, thank you to those guys who have uh, contributed towards the podcast. It's going to be very thankful for you guys. Uh, it's um, Matthew, Alex and Patrick. You guys know who you are. I have actually all sent you a little private message over on patreon as well and i will be posting things over on there as well which you guys can only see um so that's kind of a little thing it's not nothing major you'll just see posts i might put graphics up on there and stuff at some point but um yeah i do poach uh patreon only posts but it is just a way for you know you guys potentially saying thank you but don't ever feel like you have to do it because as i said this podcast will always be free it's just kind of a way of you saying thank you to me i suppose and that you're enjoying it and you want to support the, the podcast and it just helps with fees that will be you know will be coming up if i you know want to put this out on a bigger platform um but yeah what was we talking about i've got i've kind of got off track now see this is what happens when you don't write things down i was talking about supporting then you supporting me um but we're kind of going away oh yeah so talk about the, the league structure wasn't me i'll kind of go back to that because that's i know where i was supposed to be heading the American League structure. And as I've said, guys, please don't get angry with me. It is just my opinion. I'm not saying this is how it should be or anything like that. It's just kind of how I feel the league could go or um, if it maybe wants to improve. But at the same time, it could just be left as it is and I'm sure it'll be fine. So when I first started watching the MLS, um, obviously, as I mentioned before, what drew me to it, the whole Super Draft thing, that was huge for me. It was a really, really good event. I really enjoyed it. I still enjoy it now. I didn't enjoy the last one as much because I didn't like the format. It was doing it, so hopefully they'll change back to the old format uh, where everyone's in the same building um, and going up to the podium, so on and so forth. But I really like the Super Draft, and I think it's a great way for young prospects to get a shot at the MLS. Mentioned this before in the last podcast. I'm not going to really go over it too much before, but love the love the draft. Don't really get what the point why people are so negative towards it. Yes, you don't get a lot of great players out of it, but what is the harm? Really, what what is the harm in it? There was there was very minimal harm in the whole thing at all. There's a bit of money spent, yes, but it's you know it's not. I don't get it. It's, I don't get why people are saying I'll oh, get rid of it. What's the if you get rid of it? What's the point then? Where how are these players going to get? Seen, yes, I know scouts do go to the game and stuff, and but I don't know. It just, I just really like it. And it's kind of one of the, the things that drew me to the the league to begin with. Another thing that drew me to the league as well is the, the whole kind of trying to make it as fair as possible. I know they are kind of trying to base it very well. Not I was going to say loosely round the NFL, uh, but it's not loosely. Is it? It's it's quite strong. The the force is strong with this one. Um, but yeah, obviously there's a lot of 
crossover between the rules and, and all that kind of thing. So salary caps, the fact that you can only have three DP players, all that kind of stuff is trying to make it as fair as possible. And I can completely understand what the reasoning behind this was because they were trying to improve the US men's national team. Um, which obviously we're going to be talking about shortly. And there's probably going to be some crossovers between where I do drift in and out of both subjects as I'm kind of talking about this. But the idea behind it was in theory great, but flawed massively because with the addition to getting a green card, if you look at, I think it's Inter Miami's potential first team squad of going into the season, they're only going to be having two potentially two usa national players in their first 11 which is ridiculous because the whole reasoning behind what i well what i thought the whole reasoning behind that these rules being strict is that it does limit teams to to be fair so you can have three star players and then maybe one or two if you bring them in on a tam contract but the money of tam was you know fairly minimal so he wasn't going to get any huge massive superstars in their ones so you're looking at maybe four or five you know players either from abroad mostly from abroad or of you know superstar quality as as is for a better word i suppose although i do feel horrible for saying that but it the way that it's kind of worked now and because we're so far in and people the money's exchange hands and there's tam and gam and um, green cards and all that kind of stuff. It, it's not really worked because, as I said, I, I believe that from what I've seen, that the uh, as the roster is at the moment with the uh, Inter, uh, Inter Miami's team, that they could only name two USA national team players. Well, not national team, sorry. Uh, US nationality players, which is ridiculous, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel that it's the way the league is at the moment and the way the rules are, it's not kind of upholding what I believe they were put in to originally do. And I do think that is in massive correlation with why the US men's national team now is suffering. That and the fact that nearly all of their good players obviously don't want to play in the MLS because they see the standard as lower, which, you know, there is... There is a lot of truth behind that. It's, it's you know, I'm not, I'm not, not saying the MLS is bad by any stretch of imagination. Obviously, I love it, but it's not the level of the Premier League. Obviously, where Pulisic is now playing, it's not the level of the Bundesliga where a lot of the the young lads are playing. So they're getting game time against really, really good opposition, and with some really, really good quality players, which is obviously going to help their game, which in theory should have a knock-on effect and improve the US men's national team as well. But that just does not seem to be the case at the moment. But the league system itself, as I say, I, I'm not really too much against the rules of what they've got in place for salary caps and all that kind of stuff and the DP contracts. Obviously, some people are saying we should now up it to four. To be fair, I don't really think it matters if you up it to four or not because a lot of people use TAM these days. And if you look at some of the, the teams that are around there, they've, they've got you know four or five really, really good players in their team now anyway. So that aren't you know US men's national team players and that, you know, a long time ago, obviously, it was players towards the back end of their careers who still had a, one or two seasons left in them coming over to the... That's why it made, you know, a lot of people call it the retirement league. I don't think that's the case now. I think that stigma's going, and I don't think people are as 
are, are calling it that as much, I think, and I think people who are calling that don't follow the league at all. They just see it as, you know, oh, David Beckham played there, Robbie Keane played there, Gerald and Lampard saw their careers out there. You know, they, they kind of see it that and they, don't, they haven't really followed it for the last two or three seasons now because you've seen some, you know, big players that aren't out there, you know, back end of their career. Carlos Vaya joined and he wasn't anywhere near gone and he's still nowhere near gone now. Uh, you know, you've got Ulmer on as well. You've got some really, really good players who've joined the league and um, at, you know, good times in their careers as well, not towards the back end of their career. So I think that is kind of wearing away and hopefully, you know, should go in and too fair to the people who do say it still. I'm not really bothered. Like, again, you can have your own opinion. It's wrong, but um, you can have your own opinion. But from as I said, from that sort of things, I'm not really too too fussed about that because people have ways around it. I don't think it's doing what it was originally supposed to be doing. But again, it's not, I'm not really too, I don't you know feel there's any need for any change because the clubs have already thought of ways around it and it's, again, it's not really working. It's actually the, the league system that itself, like the, the, the way the league is structured um, from, you know, USL league as well, that to be fair, when I first started watching it, I was, again, I was all for, promotion and relegation i kind of thought it was the 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 right way and what needed to happen for the mls to to really start progressing but the more i've kind of got involved with the people and and thought about it in more depth i'm still i'm still on the fence i think i, I don't know i flip between the i flip between it a lot I, I can see the massive positives of the fact that there is a need for it but I don't think it maybe should be as straightforward, but then I, I backtrack on myself when I say things sometimes and think, no, that's not right. The other day I was basically thinking about this before I kind of, you know, uh, I knew I was going to record an episode. And my thought process was that what I think should happen is the bottom team of the MLS should play the top team of the USL. USL? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? USL, ULS, yeah, USL. Um, and obviously whoever wins that either stays in the league or gets promoted and the other team goes down. And I started thinking, but again, that's not really fair because on the other side of things, the, again, and I know why we do this and it is, it adds a lot of excitement to the end of the season. But for me, I get, and I like the fact there's two leagues, West and East, I don't, I don't mind that, that, I don't think that needs to change. It makes logistical sense uh, because I imagine it'd be a nightmare if you just had one league and every team had to play each other twice because that would just be, I imagine it's going to be a nightmare. So I get that and I don't mind it. It's, that's fine. The thing that annoys me a little bit is that you can win your league, so you win your um, the Shield, so you can be the champions of the West, champions of the East, and then realistically, what you know makes sense to me is that both of them teams then play each other for the MLS Cup, and whoever wins that game wins the cup. But the MLS have changed it now, so the top seven teams going through a knockout uh, kind of you know round robin cup style thing to win the mls cup and it almost feels like that obviously the mls cup is a separate competition to the league itself so you've won the league so yeah i get that you've won the league great you've won the western league you've won the eastern league and now you get a chance to bypass the uh, first round of the mls cup to go through and then you've got to play against other teams the reason why i'm a little bit i suppose I'm kind of not. I'm not against it, but what I don't like about it is the fact, and I kind of get it because you've won the league still. So you've got still got you still got the fact that you've won the league. So that's great. You've won the league. You've got the shield. You are league champions as such. But most of the clubs still think the the MLS Cup is the the main thing throughout the whole season. That's what they're looking to win. And 
obviously from an, from a revolution fan it's great because we are still in it finishing seventh after you know a pretty mediocre season if you're going to be honest because it was terrible terrible start over and then obviously a great second half but you know we've had we've had um whole season to kind of get stuff done and we've managed to scrape through in seventh and then we could still go on and win the mls cup and to me i don't know obviously from, from a revolution fan it do, and it does add excitement so i get it but say for example and obviously this isn't going to happen this is completely and and an unrealistic example of of what it but i'm trying to just get a point across a little bit here obviously la, Gal LA galaxy uh lafc last season probably you know easily and argue, arguably the best team in the mls had an absolutely stunning season should have won the cup obviously they won the league which is great they get the support shield great they won the league but obviously the main thing they want throughout the season is that mls cup Say, for example, if LAFC did go unbeaten all season, beat every single team 3-4-0, to four nil, only conceded a few goals, demolished the league system far and above every single team, got to the final of the MLS Cup, and then, you know, they again, this is all never going to happen, but they had three or four m major injuries to players that couldn't play. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, just some illness running through the camp or whatever. And they end up losing to a freak own goal or something where a raccoon runs on the pitch and headers the ball into the goal. And they lose 1-0 in the final in the last minute of the game. They've gone all season unbeaten, above and beyond every single team in the league, you know, whitewashing every single team, conceding only a few goals. And yet, because of one, one game throughout the season, they've lost. And they've lost to the New England Revolution who've scraped through to seventh place in the league after a meh, meh run in the league and then a very fluky run in the uh, in the MLS Cup. And to, well, obviously, while I'd be ecstatic if that was to happen because we've run off to... But it just, I don't know, it feels cheap to me. It does feel cheap. It adds a massive like excitement, which I get. And I don't know if I'm... And I still don't know if I'm for or against it. I don't, I don't know, because I, I, I flip between it quite a lot. Um, I think I am against it more so, though, because it, that extreme example I've just given, like, how annoyed would you be if the Revolution went all season unbeaten and then lost one, the only game you lose all season? And again, you, you probably could be saying that you shouldn't be losing that one game, but what if it's for unforeseen circumstances that you can't control? If you do get hit with a gap, uh, you know, and you can't postpone the match and there's sickness running through the camp, and you lose. How gutting would that be after all of that? It'd be so distraught. But on the flip side, yeah, it adds great excitement that that a team that didn't have a good season has still got a chance for a bit of silverware. So I get it. I do get it. The same time about when I was talking about promotion and relegation earlier, that if you think if you're a USL team, your only way at the moment to get into the MLS is to put together this massive you know, thing for the uh, MLS team to and Don Garber to, to look over. And then you've got to pay, you know, £120 million pounds or whatever ridiculous amount of money it is now to become an, uh, a franchise within the MLS. Like, that's just ridiculous. That is absolutely... What 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 have the USL teams got to look forward to? What, say, for example, if you're a USL team and you are, you know, a cut above the rest of the teams, 
but you haven't got the funding behind you to do that. And you, have, you can't find the investment because you're from a, a small town which no one wants to, oh, sorry, small state which no one wants to invest in. You're just going to sit in that league constantly dominating it. Well, maybe not dominating it because your players will then leave. And then, you know, all of your good players will leave to go to them less because they're like, oh, well, there's no point stay, sticking around here anymore. We're, not, we're never going to go any further. So we'll leave. And then that club then goes into demise and all of a sudden becomes extinct. I do get the fact that obviously that can still happen with promotion and relegation because you've seen my team, Leeds United, we got very, very close um, at one point completely folding. Bury more recently. Bolton Wanderers also had troubled times. Uh, Wimbledon. Portsmouth have gone through the. There's a lot of teams that have gone, gone through it all, and uh, you know, I've fought, there's a lot of teams that unfortunately are no longer a team anymore because of the fact that they've been relegated uh, numerous times and they've lost the money and they've they've not looked after themselves. But I do feel that the American League system is. And I'm not saying that the English system isn't this now because I do feel that we are heading towards it as well. But their clubs are run far more like a business than any other league system there is out there. Uh, the English league system, obviously, I 100% know that every single football team is a business. Um, but I feel they're not run as... They, they are getting there, to be fair. It is more and more apparent now that they are run as a business. Probably first, and then a football team second. But in the American league system, I do feel that it's always been business first. And that team's mediocrity and, you know... Just they've got no reason they're not going to get relegated from the MLS. So even if you finish bottom every single season, it really doesn't matter as long as your club's in the black and you're not, you know, you're not in the red. As long as your club is still making money financially and it's financially beneficial for all of the people involved, then they haven't got to invest because there's no comeuppance of, you know, there's nothing going to happen. They're not going to all of a sudden drop a league and then not have a business to run because the club's, you know, lost out on. On, on TV rights. Talking of TV rights, this is completely going off tangent, but the, the someone in England, and I'm looking at you, MLS UK, <laughs> the MLS UK show to start something. And I know you've already put tweets out before, but we need we need to do something. Like what what can we do? We're we're a small minority. I know we are, but we need a a big a big voice to kind of get behind us and. Maybe Jimmy Conrad, maybe. I don't know. He's he's fairly well known in, in England. Um and obviously he's a, you know, he's part of the the uh soccer MLS scene as well. So if we just need to, to be seeing more games live, it's ridiculous how little we get um to see over here. Um it's so annoying. And I the way I have to watch it is as I said, I don't get ever I think I've watched the Revolution game maybe twice three times with commentary over the last few years. It's it's ridiculous. Um, we just don't get games over here. And again, even the games we do get, I get, I get why they pick them sometimes. It's the bigger teams, the bigger draws, the bigger players. It's, it's not really done very fair over here. But even those ones, they're so few and far between. It's, uh, it's, it's such a shame that we don't have any way of really legally watching MLS games over here in the UK. So yeah, maybe we'll start something. I'm not too sure how we go about it, but I'll give it a think about and uh, get back to you. But we're now going to talk about the men's national team, which we're kind of wrapping up today's episode. As I've realised, I've probably been rambling for uh, for quite a while now, to be fair, and you guys are probably getting a little bit bored. Um, but yeah, but I've been trying to keep them to like 30, 40 minutes long. I've had some people say that they you know, wouldn't even mind it if it's an hour long. And they like the kind of lengthier podcasts. But this episode definitely won't be because I don't think I've got really enough to talk about. We are kind of wrapping up now with the uh, US Men's National Team. I will say on this one, I haven't really got a lot to say because although I do follow it a little bit, 
I don't, um, yeah, I don't follow it religiously. Uh, I know obviously that they've had a recent appointment as uh, the new GM, Brian McBride. Absolutely love that guy. I think it's such an American name as well. I don't know why, because I imagine Brian and McBride aren't American names at all. Um, but when you put them both together, I don't know what it is about him. Um, but he, he just, he is American. He is Mr. America. I know a lot of people say Landon Donovan is, and, and maybe Clint Dempsey, but I don't know for me, Brian McBride, it just, he is America. Um, and this had me thinking, uh, this is kind of what got me thinking, like as a GM of the US men's national team, because people were saying, oh, you know, it's a good appointment. I think it is a good appointment, but I don't think it's a good appointment for the way that other people are looking at it because I don't feel he's going to have much or if any say in the team. He's not the manager of the actual men's national team. So he's not, not picking the 11. He's not picking the formation. He's not picking what system, tactics or philosophies as such that the team will play by. What he's there to do is to run the the run the club, run the, sorry, run the, the nation's footballing team. So the kind of I, I imagine that what he's been brought in to do is to make sure that everything is kind of falls under one umbrella and they're all living by the same cultures and values and to just kind of structure things better. Um, I imagine they've seen a need for it. I think, you know, I don't know if he's the right choice. I think it's great that he's involved in some kind of aspect with the men's national team, but so I think it's a good appointment, the fact of having him somewhere within the, the structure. Um, I don't know what he's going to be able to do from there, though, to help the men's national team as such, though. Because I mentioned, I mentioned earlier, obviously, there's a lot, lot of very good players, to be fair, a lot of really talented players in US men's uh, football at the moment. A lot of them playing outside of the MLS. Um, and I do think a lot of them... Maybe I'm getting the opportunity sometimes to, to, to showcase what they can do. But I also feel that because, and you could, you could say this about any nation, I suppose, in a way, but because them players don't play a certain style of football, like you think about England, for example, we're using England, obviously, hopefully I have a little bit of knowledge on the, the uh, English team. The majority of England players have always played in England because it is a, is, it is a, a big league, if not one of the biggest in the world. It is a big league system and it's popular. They earn good money from it and there's no real need for them to go outside of the English league system. Obviously, a few players have ventured outside of the English league system and most of them have done really, really well from it. But if you look at the starting 11 of the US men's national team sometimes and you've only got one or two players that are actually playing in the MLS... Now, again, this isn't always a bad thing. Obviously, they're developing at different levels. They're, they're, they're players that feel they're, that their talents are above where the MLS standard is at the moment, which you can't argue with some of these players. But if you've got, obviously, most most English teams, yes, we play different formations and stuff, but they're, they're playing, they're all playing the same style of of football, if you kind of know what I'm trying to say here. They're all playing the same speed. The, the, the games are all played at the same tempo. It's kind of, they know what each other's about. They play with each other regularly, week in, week out. Maybe not with each other, but on the same pitch. So they know what that player's about as well. 
Um, I, I am really struggling to kind of get across what I'm trying to say here, I suppose. And I hope some of you are kind of understanding here, but it, it's it's the fact that, you know, you've got some players in England, some in Germany, um, some in the Championship over here in England as well, some, you know, not playing in the Premiership. They don't really mingle that often, don't play against each other that often, don't play with each other that often. And they all play to completely different. Like the German league, the German football insist, um German football is different to English football, as is American football. It's a different standard. Like we've heard plenty of good players go to other countries and say, it's almost like it's a different game the way they play it over there. You know, it's 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 much slower and all this kind of stuff. So it's it, it, I imagine that's a really hard thing, and there's not really one thing that anyone can do to help well there is something one people could do to help but that's by investing a ton of money and making the mls such a big draw that the american players don't want to leave they or, or only the, the elite of the elite will leave to you know the likes of germany they want to be just underneath that league system they want to be you know in and around it's not going to happen anytime soon, if maybe at all. But that's—I I don't see any way of USA really, really improving because they can have a handful of really good players, which they have got at the moment. But unless they're clicking and all playing together regularly and understanding each other's games and kind of almost playing the same style of football, I, I think it is going to be really hard for them to ever click. I think it's why the smaller nations do struggle sometimes because they don't a lot of their players don't play in their leagues like you get um you know some i'm trying to think of it like a really obscure nation but they don't play the, the same you know one they haven't got the, the level of talent that they've got but they also don't play in the same league system because you have a lot of really weird you know small nation teams that their players will play in the low uh, low leagues of england um but I think that when you look at the USA men's national team, when you look at some of the players they've actually got at their disposal, you're thinking like they should be doing better. And you then, you then start thinking like, well, why aren't they? What What is the what is the drawback? What, what, what are they not doing that's holding them back? And I know obviously they've won, you know, like seven and stuff against Cuba, you know, towards the back end of the last season, but then they obviously lost against Canada, but then they beat Canada. And then I think they beat Cuba again. And I think they've got Costa Rica coming up um, in the next kind of few weeks, I think it is, in February, sometime in February. And then I think they've got a tough match then against the Netherlands. And realistically, when you think about it, the Netherlands probably is a team they could beat on paper. When you look at both teams, yes, the Netherlands have got some very, very talented players, but so have the US men's national team. But do you realistically think at the moment that the USA, if you went player for player, for Netherlands versus the USA. I probably wouldn't imagine it's too far swung in Netherlands' um, favour. I think it would. It will be. I don't think the men's national team is... is but realistically, on the day, they could get something from that game. But the way things are at the moment, I just... I don't know how it's going to... I don't know what Brian McBride's going to do. Hopefully, by getting the team together more and working the same philosophies and cultures and values from the bottom all the way up throughout the academies, that they'll be able to kind of learn and know what each is about hopefully that will have a knock-on effect and you'll see eventually players from the kind of you know younger age groups growing up together 
playing hopefully in the same league and learning something from each other and le- kind of learning how to gel. But other than that, I don't really know how, how the men's national team is going to do it. I mean, I don't think their management choice of recent has been great. Um, but again, it's hard to draw a manager in because they haven't been doing the best recently, have they? When when it's been called upon. They've been doing well against the teams they should do well against. But then when they need that final push to prove, yes, you can beat Cuba 7-0, great. But what are you going to do against the Netherlands? Can you beat the Netherlands 7-0? I suppose that's the big question. But yeah, I'm going to say that's probably all my thoughts on the uh, US Men's National Team because I don't really have enough behind me to kind of start rambling properly about it because I don't follow it as much. But I kind of just wanted to get that off my chest because I, f- I felt that, well, I just I was thinking about it the other day about what what how could it improve and what why isn't it working? And I just had a few thoughts in my head and I thought, you know what, I'm going to talk to the Revolution fan base about that because obviously that's who listen to this uh, Revolution-based podcast. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it for today's episode, guys. As I said, thank you you've got this far in the podcast because um, you are just listening to a British person ramble on about an American soccer team for a length of time that is uh, changing all the times. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some... Uh, well, actually, I don't really know what, what news I want to come out of the revolution. Coming out. I want a kit, which we do know about, which will actually be coming out very soon, 5th of February. So that's going to be exciting. Well, is it going to be exciting? We've seen the... Uh, We've seen some leaks of what the teams look like, and it's kind of quite hard to see how the revelation, how the revolution are going to incorporate their color scheme into it. The thing that I've got in my head now, as I close my eyes and look at it, I'm like thinking this could be disgusting. But on the same thought, I've got a variation of it, and it looks okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just really hope they don't mess this up because it could be something really so so nice. But at the same time, this one that keeps popping in my head every time I think about it, it just looks disgusting. Um, but we'll see, won't we? 5th of uh, February, so looking forward to that. And hopefully we'll maybe have a new, a few uh, other Revolution 2 signings to talk about as well. But uh, anyway, guys, I hope you've enjoyed your uh, your week uh, and you're looking forward to your weekend. I'm, I'm always quite... Um, try, I always try and think about when to post these podcasts because obviously I record them... Uh, quite early and uh, i think when most of you are either still asleep or just about waking up so people have asked if they could come on the podcast and talk to me sometimes i now have an app which i've downloaded which allows that so i can record myself talking to you which my tablet will record as well which is great so it means i can do that now but it's now then also trying to find time where i'm free and you guys are free as well so if you do want to come on the podcast um and to talk about or just have your say if you don't want to come on and talk to me necessarily as such because the timings could be quite hard you can just send me a sound clip if you want to so if you've got a subject you want to talk about you can send me just a little sound clip of of uh, of what kind of you want to talk about or a question or whatever um, and obviously i'll play that in the podcast and then obviously i'll have my two cents on that as well uh, if you do wish to email me um just um go over on twitter and speak to me and i'll give you my uh, email address as well i don't kind of really want to say it out on here because you'll probably get well it won't get bombarded because hardly anyone will listen um but yeah i just don't really feel good about putting it in the public domain um but if you do want to find out my email just go over onto twitter it's uh, at any revs uk um just 
contact me on Twitter and I'll let you know about uh, what my uh, best email address to send it to is. And uh, and I say you can feature on that. If you do want to try and set up a time as well, again, get contact me over on Twitter. As I mentioned, I am on Twitter. I have got a Patreon as well, which I mentioned before. Don't feel like you have to do anything on Patreon. This will always be free, but if you do want to say thank you, please go over uh, there and head over. Just type in any rivers you can and hopefully you'll find me. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't really have any other socials. I am on YouTube as well, any Revs UK again, uh, but I haven't really posted there. I just do little skits sometimes. Um, the podcast used to go up on there, but I haven't started uploading on there now because I don't really think it's the platform for a podcast. But I do some little funny edits that I've done on uh, Revolution, so I might continue that going into the 2020 season. But yeah, other than that, guys, um, I really can't wait for the uh, off-season to get going, uh, sorry, pre-season to get going. And obviously then the season starts because I think you think this is going to be a massive season. But thank you, as always, guys, for joining me today. And thank you for spending your time with me as well. And if you have enjoyed it, then don't forget to follow, like, share, all that kind of stuff. I don't know where you're listening to all that kind of. But yeah, do whatever you can. Follow, subscribe, whatever it is um, to obviously make sure you don't miss out on the next one, which should be next week as well. So, guys, that is it for today's episode. And uh, I will catch you guys for the next one next time.